Welcome to a new episode of Phone Talks, a podcast where we navigate the world of images through the medium of conversation. My name is Yasemin Baje, and I'm the project coordinator of Kismet, a collaborative project between Phone and Studio Polat, focusing on visual culture from Turkey, both from a historical and contemporary perspective. As part of Kismet, Phone shows the exhibition Aragüler, a play of light and shadow offering an impressive overview of the work of Turkey's most iconic photojournalist. In this episode, Fon talks about who Aragüler was, how his beloved city of Istanbul inspires him, and the incredible collection of photographs he left behind. This together with Klaarçı van Dijk and Tuana Pulak. Hello, uh, dear Tuana, Pulak, uh, and dear Klarchi van Dijk, uh, welcome to Phone uh, Podcasts. We have uh, Tuana Pulak, who is connected from Istanbul, and Klarchi from Amsterdam here. Tuana, could you uh, very briefly introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Tuana Pulak, and I'm the Exhibitions and Project Development Manager here in the Aragular Museum. Nice. I'm Klaartje. Uh, I'm Klaartje van Dijk. I'm head of exhibitions at Foam and curator of the exhibition uh, Araculaire. Um, and I have been very happy to be working with uh, Twana and uh, the whole Araculaire archive. Likewise. Uh, and we've done this exhibition, I also specifically want to mention, with Ahmed Polat. Um, but in this case, we're having this conversation with the three of us. Fantastic. Welcome. Today we'll be, of course, talking specifically about Aragular. He was a legendary photojournalist in Turkey. Klarçı, can you tell us a bit more about him? So Aragular, as you say, he was a photojournalist born in 1928, mostly known for his uh, beautiful uh, black and white uh, images of Istanbul. Uh, that is sort of right how his iconic status was right. um, confirmed or established, I should say. Um, and for us, it was interesting to see with the digitization of his collection after he passed away, what other things he did. And so this exhibition really sort of gives a first look and sort of first feel of all the other things that he has done in his career, which has been incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah, he created the photographic canon, we could say. Of course, along those lines of uh, Henri Cartier-Bresson, Edvin de Elske. Klaartje, would you like to add any interesting peers? Well, some of his work reminds me of Soul Lighter, although in actually in black and white. There's one specific image in the exhibition, uh, which I'll briefly describe. It's not of the press images, so you'll have to come and actually see the exhibition. But it's an image where he photographs uh, a bicycle leaning against a window that is uh, wet on the outside. Um, and specifically that image that sort of abstracted reminded me of Saul Leiter who makes 
comparable images, but more in color. He played also in, in color. So lighters played in color in that sense. But there, I think that's one of the fascinating things of Aragulaire, that conducting research and working on this exhibition has, for me, shown sort of how expansive his um, his career was. That's a very nice introduction to talk about uh, the iconic status of uh, of uh, Aragular. Uh, Tuana, uh, could you also specifically explain to us uh, what makes him an icon and what does what importance uh, does his work carry uh, specifically uh, for people in Turkey? Uh, of course. Well, first of all, he began photographing from the fifties onwards. So. Um, this gives us uh, uh, an archive spanning 70 years. So this is a, an, an amazing uh, array of and longitude of, uh, of um, images. So he was the truly the visual recorder of, of, of Turkey, and not just Turkey, but he worked in numerous other uh, journals um, internationally. So he would document the key and significant events in Turkey and present them to the world, but also vice versa. Uh, you know, he would have assignments globally and uh, bring them back to uh, Turkey and have them meet with the Turkish audience. So um, he was really this key visual recorder of, of, uh, of well, a very big portion of the of the Turkish Republic. Um but not only uh, through photographs, he was also, uh, it would be safe to say that he was a very well-known figure as a person. So he was a big character, a witty, um, funny, uh, very social character. So not just with the photographs themselves, but he was also a very well-known face in, in Turkey. So I think that gave him that iconic status as well, very well-connected, um, very well read. Uh, so people knew who Aragüler was. He was often featured in documentaries and uh, photography shows or, you know, uh, shows related to the arts. So uh, people knew his face and his work. So I think that goes hand in hand. Um, yeah. Fantastic. And I would like to now jump on something that, that is very interesting you said about him, that he was basically recording uh, the history of Turkey. He was a, a visual historian. And uh, based on that, uh, Klarche, um he was born uh, five years after the founding of the Turkish Republic. Uh, and he grew up in an environment uh, that in which he really documented, as Tuana also very eloquently puts, the development of this new nation. Uh, how did he capture uh, the uh, evolution uh, of uh, Turkey? Um, I think one of the most important things that we learned early on in conversations uh, with the archive, that one of the key uh, important elements of Aragulaire's practice was really documenting stories and um, documenting history. And of course, as we've always talked about, he was a child of the Republic. The Republic was five years old uh, when he was born. So he basically, he grew up as the Republic 
grew up in a sense. Before 1923, Turkey was part of this vast empire, the Ottoman Empire, um, which in itself um, has this huge historical value. So once the, the Turkish Republic was founded, all these historical elements were still part of the country uh, and also still part of Aragüler's uh, photographic repertoire. So he would always document these elements, uh, historical elements, archaeological elements throughout the country that would include a larger narrative of his country as a whole. He was born in, in Istanbul. Um, he always lived in Istanbul. Uh, he started his photographic career in Istanbul. And Istanbul was also his big love. And in that sense, we have understood his photographic work of Istanbul as a representation of Turkey as a whole. And in Istanbul, there were a lot of changes happening, a lot of uh, urban developments, um, people uh, moving as that happens, I guess, migrating from outside Istanbul uh, into Istanbul. The city was growing. And so that became one of his key focus of his whole oeuvre, I would say. Um, and that has really been a historical documentation uh, as a representation of the developments of Turkey as a whole that were happening in Istanbul. And at the same time, I think what is so interesting and I think why his work is so captivating for a big audience is that on one hand, he has this historical importance to his work, but he's also aesthetically, his work is so powerful that even if you're not so aware of or informed about what Turkey is as a country or even what has happened there, uh, historically, I think it is his 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 black and white photography, which was his main tool of photographing, is so captivating that that already grabs the interests of um, it, someone who is interested in photography. So as a whole, documenting, um, photographing. Uh, visual stories, documenting the history of Turkey was one of his, or maybe his imp most important element of his uh, career, I would say. Fascinating. And one of the things that you also mentioned was obviously passion and love and his love for Istanbul. Uh, I'd like to turn to uh, Tuana in the exhibition. There are some themes in Earth things that would come up uh, very frequently. And one of them, of course, is Istanbul uh, and his love for the sea. Can you tell us uh, what we see here and why he specifically documented the scenes? And when I mean scenes, I'm talking about all those beautiful uh, scenes along the water, like the fishermen, dock workers, scenes in the harbor and the Bosporus, of course. Uh, sure. Well, Istanbul as a city is a port city. And we can, I think, start from there. So it was uh, for centuries an essential uh, 
place for trade and transport. So um, the incredibly rich history of the city is very much embedded in the everyday life. And I think that's, uh, that's already uh, an incredible resource for a photographer uh, to have that kind of um, meeting of the worlds and uh, water. And the Bosphorus is a very, uh, and I think everyone who's been to Istanbul can attest to that. Uh, the Bosphorus has a very unique kind of feeling in light uh, and the light changes in every hour of the day, the reflections, the scenes. They're very fascinating to watch and you really kind of get this feeling of uh, that rich history. Um, it's very romantic and magical in a way. And um, Aragüner also lived in the Beolo area, which is a very uh, historic and central part of the city. Um, so he was familiar with kind of each cornerstone of that area and the, and the seaside, uh, the seashore. Um, like Clarge uh, said, uh, he was very much in love with the city that he grew up in. And um, I think he was very, he loved photographing the everyday life it, that, of the city that he grew up in. So, of course, that's, uh, that everyday life entails the everyday people and um, being in the Bosphorus. Those are the fishermen, the dock workers. Um he just photographs the places that he was very familiar with. And I also, in a way, think that he had this uh, sort of desire to document uh, some of the places that he knew that would no longer be there in the future. And I think going back to the exhibition, the Kumkapu Fisherman series is a, is a great example to that because the fisherman village is no longer there. And he photographed that area uh, very early on. Um, so... Yes, it, he he had this fascination and love towards uh, Istanbul. And Istanbul is, like I said, a great resource for a photographer, I would say. Oh, I miss Istanbul so much. <laughs> Makes me homesick. You should come back. Well, Istanbul is a, is a world city. And Aragular was also a world citizen. He was building basically like the Bosphorus Bridge. Um, bridges between Istanbul and the world beyond. And in that way, he was also an ambassador. He traveled a lot and acted as an important visual source of information, bringing stories from all over the world back to Turkish uh, audiences. Many of these stories were published as photo reportages in different media outlets. Uh, Tuana, can you highlight one example of a, a photo reportage that Aragular created that you find very interesting? And can you also tell us why? Uh, sure. Well, like you said, he was truly an ambassador. He had many international photo reportages from portraits to um, quite an area of, of, of subject matter. Um, uh, well, from the ones in the exhibition, the one that I find very interesting is uh, the Horn of Africa. Um, it was uh, an assignment uh, that he did for Tarjuman uh, newsletter in Turkey. And it was a 10 episode uh, series where he traveled to Eritrea in the summer of 78 uh, to document the clashes um, in the area. Um, the reportage was... Uh, focusing on, like I said, the clashes, but it extended to include uh, other countries uh, like Sudan, Somalia, Ethiopia, and Libya. 
and uh, it includes scenes from everyday life in that region as well. Um, and I think why it was so striking was that in such a tumultuous time and, and in such a moment of conflict, to be uh, this close up uh, with with the figures there and to be this immersed in that uh, tension uh, is is quite powerful. And Aragular was not a combat photographer. I think it goes to show how uh, he could um, execute his photographic style in this subject matter as well. And it, it, when you look at the photographs in the exhibition, you can see he was quite invisible. He was, you know, uh, he was truly with um, the the people he photographed, and that with uh, the tension of that of that moment, I think, is quite striking. I, I fully agree with you. For me also, those series were one of the surprising, um, uh, mm -hmm. actually, for mm -hmm, two definitely. reasons. One, exactly as you say, there are photographs in there that are, as we know of Aragulaire, beautifully composed. But the subject matter is exactly mm, photojournalistic in the sense of uh, war photography, or it gives you the sense of war photography without necessarily seeing graphic casualties on the ground. It it definitely showed a side of his oeuvre that I was not aware of. So on one hand, it was the the topic, and on the and on the other hand, I think it's super interesting also because it's all in color, and he obviously he really created his iconic style with black and white photography and as we spoke about also a lot is that he he if he could choose he would photograph in black and white that was his visual language right so i think it's interesting also that by using color he you just see his work in a completely different way um, and i think it says something which we haven't talked about, which is his entrepreneurial mindset. Because um, with photographing or choosing for black and white and color, he sometimes also had to choose um, to go with what the assignment requested. And in the 1960s and 70s, obviously, the magazines were also developing and, and becoming at a higher level quality and so photographers were also asked to photograph in color and it's it's like I know you can't really say that of war photography or even of sensitive themes but the composition and the use of his color is is very powerful as well I think. Yeah, Aragulars of was very diverse and uh, Apart from um, portraiture and street photography and documentary work, there is also the Creative American series, Clarcha. Can you tell us a bit more uh, about that series? Certainly. And yes, that is very different from his photojournalistic work uh, um, that we spoke about. If I'm not mistaken, in the mid-1970s, he was invited um, uh, to the United States um, to photograph there. And he sort of spinned that uh, as he was able to do 
uh, to his own assignment and he um, decided to visit and photograph all these great artists living in the United States. Um, and that series he called uh, Creative Americans. He photographed so many different peoples and it's all a portrait. Um, so he would photograph Ansel Adams, uh, Dave Brubeck, um, uh, one of his, the, the people that he really looked up to was uh, a woman photographer called Imogen Cunningham, uh, one of the great icons, I must say. Uh, and obviously also, you, I, I have to say that in that time, there there's still many more male photographers known of a certain status. So I think it's also very interesting that he was so eager um, uh, to photograph her and to meet with her. And it's very nice. Uh, her portrait is also in the exhibition. And the other portrait that he was really eager to take was of the two of them. And what they did actually, which I think is a very lovely story, is when he visited, and he speaks about that in his biography, is how giddy he was to meet one of his star photographers for him. And that they took a portrait of each other because Miss Cunningham did not just want a photograph taken of her, but as a photographer, she also wanted to portrait Ara Guler. So there's a, there's a portrait of Ara Guler, there's a portrait of uh, Imogen Cunningham, and then we've also included almost like a selfie, I find that actually, of the two of them together. You know, it's sort of documents, you can sort of translate that to modern time as in like that sort of that scene I could imagine now happening as well. And then to sort of, you know, wrap it up, you would take a selfie together. And so all those three photographs are in the uh, exhibition as well. But sort of that illustrates um, a, a journey that turned into a publication where he photographed and portrayed uh, other artists um, uh, internationally, but also in Turkey. I think that's a beautiful story with Imogen Cunningham. It's, it's, it's so cute. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The 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 let's say nineteen seventies uh, selfie was also uh, uh, really heartwarming to see, and and that uh, a... that reminds me of the uh, last uh, section of this uh, of the exhibition, which is more his personal work, things that were really dear to him. And in that section, we explored his experimental and more uh, family images. And I'd like to ask um, Klarche, um, these different works are very colorful, abstract, we see collages and Polaroids. Um, this was his work that he did not necessarily show uh, too much to the the uh, wider public or to different audiences, and he kept this a bit for himself. Why was it important for you to show uh, this work in the exhibition? The personal section, as you say, shows a lot of exactly more abstracted, more experimental work. Uh, and seeing that first, for me, 
was almost like the photojournalistic series, as we spoke about uh, the Horn of Africa, was so different from what from the work that I was familiar with of Aragulaire. And so I was immediately extremely excited and wow, we have to include this. It's so important to show. It's never been seen. And then obviously we had conversations with the archive and um, and from those conversations, uh, I understood that it wasn't something that was sort of at the center of Aragulaire's production, so to say. I understood it and I thought that that was such a, such important conversations. The personal work was personal to him because it also gave him the liberty to experiment uh, without things being immediately placed um, in the center of like, oh, look, Aragonaire has changed his photographic career and has sort of like gone into a completely different way of working, but rather it was part of his developments in uh, and experiments that he did in his photographic career. And so I think it's important to show because in a way we've looked at the exhibition as an onion. We've started with the outside, the iconic work, how we have known and seen Aragulaire, how he presented himself. And as we go through the exhibition, we peel off layer by layer and we sort of see other elements of his oeuvre that we have not seen before. The reason why it's also important for Fon uh, to show Aragulaire is that with this exhibition, we see the quality of his work and how that quality is is completely at the same level as his peers of the, of of such as Henri Cartier Bresson, Saul Leiter, um, other big names, Magnum photographers. He photographed a lot internationally. He worked together with Magnum. He he was never an official Magnum photographer yet. He did a lot of assignments for Magnum as well. Even so, um, he lived in Turkey. Um, and if you now look at uh, history of photography, what you see is the Western canon and the names that have been included. Yet, if Aragulaire would have lived, would have decided to move and to switch his home country, Turkey, for Paris or the United States, one can wonder if his name would now be included. Um, and so for us, it's one of these unheard stories, unknown icons that is very important to share with the world because he's an incredible photographer and with an archive of several hundred thousands of images, this exhibition only scratches the surface of all the incredible work that Aragulaire has made over his lifetime. Thinking of his really multifaceted work and gigantic oeuvre, um, 
Tuana, the Aragudar archive holds over 350,000 photographs assigned to Aragular, and this is not counting the over a million of photographic material. It's an incredible number. Can you tell us uh, among this really huge amount of uh, works, uh, what has been so far your most re remarkable discovery and one of those images that uh, stuck with you personally? Sure. Um, I think um, I simply couldn't name one discovery in the archives. Like you said, it's a, it's a, it's an incredible number, and um, those discoveries are being made. I think every day, every time we go deeper in the archives. Um, one that I find very interesting uh, is his unpublished uh, book maquettes. Um, it's it's interesting in so many for so many reasons. Um, he handmade he always handmade his dummies, um, and some uh, were not uh, published. Like I said, um, and if you, if you look at those dummies, uh, one that I find uh, very beautiful is the you, me, and us uh, one, which is also in the exhibition. Um, it's it's very detailed with notes uh, on dimensions, on captions, on the design. Uh, or the text, and it, uh, he always ha hand, hand makes them as well. And at times you see sketches of photographs um, that are on the, on the page that the actual photograph would, uh, would be printed on. Um, so everything uh, is kind of very disciplined and very organized, and you kind of get to witness the editing process and the, the mind of the artist in a way. Um, and... With you, me, and us, for example, he created a miniature, a dummy, and the the images inside the dummy are darkroom prints, which also gives it another layer um, and a fascination, of course. Um, but not only the photographs, we, the the discoveries, I would say, are more his the personal items. We you know we get to see his diaries and letters and correspondence, uh, his personal notes on the uh, photograph boxes. So each of them uh, give us um, the kind of different uh, anecdote or a different detail. So we get to have a discovery every day. And um, I, again, simply couldn't name a, a favorite photograph because it really changes every day. Um, with every project that I get to work on and that we get to work on as an archive we see something new and we get to tap into a part of the archives that we haven't seen before so um I have many favorites that change daily <laughs> but um I couldn't choose we still from Tuana the Aragular Museum is one of a kind in Turkey it's the uh one of the first uh, and only museums that is dedicated to one photographer, and it's based on a gigantic archive uh, that belongs to Aragular. Can you tell us uh, a bit more about um, how the research process was leading up to the exhibition? Uh, well, we worked very closely with Klaje, uh, which was uh, a beautiful opportunity. Uh, and Ahmed and the whole team as well. Um, it had been in, in conversation to create this exhibition for a long time. And the, of course, uh, considering the, the 
range of the archives. It was uh, quite a, a lengthy uh, preparation process uh, for the exhibition and the and the publication. Um, Klarje and uh, her team, um, and Yasem and yourself as well, uh, frequented the, the and visited the archives. Um, three, four times, I think, uh, in a in the course of a year and a half. And we spent, you know, uh, days here working and uh, in the archives and they were, uh, you know, they immersed themselves in the archives and researching about every reportage um, that they could find that they were interested in. So it was a very hand-in-hand, -hand, close contact uh, preparation process. And it was great to see, uh, in my opinion, um, an outside perspective, a different perspective, uh, because we get to see we're in the archives every day. So it was very refreshing and interesting to <clears throat> to um, get to see what they were interested in and they and see what they wanted to look at. Actually, to even go one step before that, that um, the idea of uh, doing an exhibition of Aragulaire was actually even before me the brainchild of Kim Knoppers who was a curator at Phone and Ahmed Polat. So I remember that I had a conversation with Kim in 2021 and she was like I finally got a got an appointment with the Aragulaire Museum and so I I vividly remember that we had a first Zoom call um, with uh, uh, Kim there and Chala and Ahmed um, and I was there and you were there. And then our first visit of Ahmed and I was in October of that year and as a first sort of acquaintance. And then exactly we started to exchange information um, I think what is most challenging um, as a researcher is when you have an archive that is that large, you basically, you, in an ideal scenario, you want to see everything, which is obviously not possible. And also there's an extra um, threshold because obviously we're not next door. So how do you exchange information uh, from that far away? Um, and how do you select works and series that are important and that have not been seen? And how do you accumulate it and then sort of make a selection again to come to a strong story that you can tell in an exhibition? And there, Yasmin has also played a very important role um, as she has also spent a lot of time talking to Tamel, your archivist, um, who is also extremely knowledgeable, and the whole team. I thought that that was also very interesting to see how all of you hold this very important position in the archive that sheds a light on different elements of conservation, of content, of objects, um, and all of that together was important to eventually have an exhibition and execute it and have it on site. Um, and I think we've done, you know, modestly saying a tremendous no, job. No, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> to see that, to see that final edit was, I think, so precious after such a long time, because 
like you said, it's a it's a uh, it's a very wide archives, and to see that final edit looking through all aspects of um, Aragula's repertoire um, was quite precious for us. Uh, and there was also a book. Yes, there is. So sort of almost parallel to the research of the exhibition, there was research of the book um, where we included several authors speaking about different elements of uh, Aragulaire's practice um, to also make sure that there was sort of additional, more elaborate information about Aragulaire as a photographer, uh, Aragulaire as a historian, um, and in it also, Ahmed and I speak about the process of making the exhibition and how we got to the core and the titling and uh, raise certain questions that we ran into. Um, so I feel the exhibition uh, publication really adds another level of in-depth information whereas there's already a lot of in-depth information in the exhibition. So, but obviously there's so much information that you accumulate over a period of almost two years that I think I, I'm very happy that we've been able to finalize uh, both the exhibition and the catalog, or, or I should say publication, um, uh, at the same time. Great team efforts. We are reaching the end of our conversation and it's time for a little treat. A feature where we ask our artists and curators to share a prompt that can inspire our photographing audience when taking their next picture. Of course, we cannot uh, ask this question uh, to Aragilar, uh, unfortunately, so I'd like to extend it uh, to you. Clarja and Tuana, if someone who's listening who would like to experiment uh, with Aragilar's style or way of photographing, what would you tip or advise? Um, well, I think the, the most uh, important one is the human aspect. Um, he famously said that there would be no photograph without humans. Uh, and we see that uh, almost in each and every one of his photographs. So um, a tip and an advice I would have would be to um, for a photographer to familiarize themselves with the with the subjects uh, he's photographing and the the kind of setting he's photographing because Aragulai would you know uh, visit the shops and have tea with uh, the people he photographs and he would be he would be like a local a true local and then make friends with the subjects uh, so that kind of um, uh, intimacy and you know uh, authenticity is very important so the human aspect would be one and um, well the archives I think is an important one he was an incredibly disciplined archivist uh, so whoever is listening take care of your archives keep them organized uh, that helped us quite a bit um, with all of our work and that's the very core of our work so um you know, keep it organized. I think that's why photo recipe. Yeah. Help for the future, exactly. Of uh, Help for the future. Regaining the legacy, yeah. <laughs> I would say um, as far as experimenting with Aragudaire's style, I would say 
look at uh, the last section of the exhibition where we really look at all the different ways that he experimented throughout his career. So you see his very early work where um, uh, where he really uh, creates these little scenes and photographs them. So little objects and you see that he plays with light and shadow. So he already does that there. And then we also in that same section have experimental work from the 1970s, which is so different and in color uh, and abstracted. And so I think that sort of shows how throughout his career he was able to play and experiment and try out different things. And maybe to me that seems where he was... Uh, most playful and free because it it was something where he was not sort of restricted, so to say, to an assignment or even restricted to the iconic style that he was known for, but he could play around and experiment in different ways and try out different styles. And I think that that is interesting for other photographers to see and play with. Fantastic! Thank you very much. It was a really fascinating, enjoyable, very uh, inspiring conversation. Tuana, also very nice to see you again. Uh, you too, both of you. Um, we miss you here in Istanbul and hope to see you soon, yeah. super soon. Yeah, we miss you too. Thank you. Thank you for this. The exhibition Aragular, A Play of Light and Shadow, is on display until the 8th of November at FOAM in Amsterdam. In FOAM's bookshop, both off and online, you can find the unique photo book that was created alongside this exhibition. In this publication, you'll find a selection of fascinating essays diving deeper into Aragular's life and work. Thanks for listening and stay tuned.